What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 29 of the Everyday Scout, our third live mock draft. Uh, as always, I'm with my co-host, Connor, and today we have a very special guest from the Boom or Bust podcast, Max Chadwick, joining us. Um, so thank you very much for being here, Max. Yeah, very special guest, man. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty kind of you, but I really appreciate you guys coming on. I, I follow your stuff, so it's, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of cool that we're crossing over like this. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, for sure. Um, and you guys just did a mock as well. Uh, so here we go. You get you get a second one uh, to pick for some teams. Um, nice. So before we jump into that, though, uh, we'll touch briefly on the Super Bowl. Uh, just a quick takeaway from the game. Um, I'll pass that to you, Connor. What was your your biggest takeaway? So no matter what happens, Tom Brady will always win the Super Bowl. It's my biggest takeaway. Uh, as a fan of an AFC team, it's heart-wrenching, but he's the GOAT. He was before this year. He was before the last one, in my opinion. There might be some debate. I doubt it now, at least. Um, just – I lost a lot of money on the Chiefs. I'll admit it. <laughs> but, you know, I just – I feel so bad. Like, it's hard to feel bad for Patrick Mahomes – you know, obviously a team in my division and a guy of that caliber player, but like it was like Justin Herbert PTSD flashbacks. You know, he's actually running for his life the entire game. The throw he made, literally horizontal, was a top three throw I've ever seen in my entire life that hit his receiver in the helmet and wasn't caught. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I think you guys might know what I'm taking with the Chiefs pick later in this draft, but that's, that's my biggest takeaways. Of course. What about you, Max? Uh, so I think Todd Bowles got robbed of Super Bowl MVP, man, because they didn't – the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs, which all we hear about is how great the Chiefs' offense is, and it is fantastic. They didn't score a single touchdown in that game. And, yeah, I, I agree with you, Connor. I mean, Mahomes – I said it after the game. I was like, Mahomes had legitimately, like, the six best incompletions I've ever seen in my life. Like, he, he – I thought he played well. I thought the receivers were terrible. The O-line was horrible. Um, so, Mahomes was not the issue. You know, a lot of people making fun of him for whatever. But, man, the Super Bowl, my main takeaway is it sucked because the game sucked. Tom Brady won. The commercials I thought were, were mediocre. And the weekend was mediocre too. So, everything was just like you came out of the Super Bowl and you're like, all right, now football's over now, I guess. So, yeah, it was a weird year and, and a bad Super Bowl to end a bad year. Yeah, Um yeah, no, definitely. I agree with you both. Um, and I think it's just a reminder, like the, the Chiefs over the past couple of years, three years have just been so dynamic skill wise, just absolutely dominating the league. No one can seem to stop Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, you know, and Clyde this year and obviously Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, football, you build your team from the inside out starting, you know, close to the ball on the defensive line and offensive line, and then you build out from there. And I think this game was just a reminder of that. Um, not that the Chiefs completely neglected that because they had an opt-out and injuries, but, you know, it's just a reminder that, that the game will always be won and lost in the trenches. And, you know, skill positions are great, um, but their dominance can only affect the game so much when you are so, so overmatched at the line of scrimmage. As you said, Mahomes, this is not on him. Um, but unfortunately, in the NFL, um, quarterbacks, you know, take blame um, and, you know, all the glory, win or lose pretty much. Um, so it's unfortunate that he kind of has this I, – I feel bad even calling it a stain 
um, because again, I'm not on him. I'm not on him, but you know, at the end of the day, he's played in two Super Bowls. He has two touchdowns and four picks um, in his career to start his first two. Um, and again, fair or not, um, you know, that's a real thing. And I'm sure he'll be back to many more. Um, so, you know, just legacy wise, it'll be very interesting to see how he comes forward. But obviously they need to address the O-line, best incompletions of all time. Uh, nothing against Mahomes in that regard. Um, all right. Uh, so now let's get to our mock, mock draft 3.0. Once again, to remind our audience, uh, it is live. So these picks were not predetermined, except maybe the first pick. So I see Connor's already written it in. Um, but uh, we're just reacting to each other's picks. So it'll be super fun on the fly. Um, so, yeah, let's get going. The Jaguars are on the clock. Connor. So, you know, the Jaguars have a lot of glaring holes on this roster. Youngest team in the NFL last year. They really need somebody, you know, to take control, be a leader, be their franchise guy. Kellen Mond was the senior bowl MVP. Okay. He's not the pick here. The pick here is Trevor Lawrence, quarterback at Clemson. It is the pick. It's been the pick since, I mean, two years or three years ago. Trevor Lawrence was a freshman three years, three, yeah. two and a half years yeah. ago. Freshman year, yeah. It's been, it's been locked in, 2021 first overall pick. Justin Fields had like a hot, like, month there where it was like trendy and everybody's like yeah it's like sick but it's not gonna happen uh yeah i mean there's not much to say that hasn't been said Trevor Lawrence. yeah he's been locked into that number one slider since that national championship game against alabama his freshman mm -hmm. year um so yeah this is that was the easy pick the jets pick i, I think the draft starts at two men and um you know past drafts he's kind of like you know four or whatever because it's usually a clear top two this is there's two quarterbacks I think that have a really good argument for QB two and Fields and Zach Wilson. I personally coming into the year I was a big Fields guy and I haven't changed that even though Zach Wilson did burn the world down. So I'm taking Justin Fields uh, to the Jets just because I think his floor is a lot higher than than Zach Wilson even though I think Wilson's ceiling is a little bit higher. But I think the Jets just need a, a solid signal caller and I think Justin Fields to me is like the next kind of Deshaun Watson, both in the fact that he's a great runner, really good passer, but also holds onto the ball for a long time too. So, uh, Justin Fields here too. Yeah, um, obviously elite physical traits um, with Justin Fields, something Zach Wilson doesn't really have. But as you said, Zach Wilson had a great year. Can't really go wrong uh, with either guy there. Um, all right, so Dolphins at three now. Um, I, I should have mentioned before the show, we're not doing trades. As I said, it's live, so that'd be super hard to do. Um, so if I were the Dolphins right here, uh, I'll just preface this by saying I'd move down, um, get even more picks. Um, but they, they sit at three. And, you know, I, I'm a believer they should consider taking a quarterback here. Obviously, I think they're going to pursue Deshaun Watson, but nothing has really happened in that story for a while. Um, so if I were them, I'd give this pick for Watson easily and many, many more assets. Um, but if, if they aren't able to land Watson – I would take a serious look at Zach Wilson here because they have a really good roster. They have a great defense. And, you know, in the NFL, that rookie quarterback contract is really your, your most ideal window for winning. And it would just be a shame if they wasted a great roster on a mediocre quarterback in Tua. But I don't want to judge him that quickly, so I'm not going to go quarterback. Um, I'm going to go my wide receiver one in this draft probably the lightest player in NFL history to be picked this high weighing about 170 pounds or so uh, and that is wide receiver Devontae Smith 
from Alabama. Look, I get he doesn't have the speed of Waddle. I get he doesn't have the size and physicality of Jamar Chase. But he has, he has the best ability to separate I've ever seen at the college level. And I'm not just talking straight speed. I'm talking short routes, intermediate routes, deep routes. That's savvy to get open. And he also has elite hands and ball skills. He may not be a big guy but his hands are super strong. We see him go up all the time in traffic, high point the football and bring it down. Reunited with Tua. I think Tua needs open throws, right? Monta mm. Smith gets open in a hurry. And I just, I don't see him failing in the NFL because the ability to separate and elite hands, I don't see how that doesn't translate uh, right away. So Devontae Smith at three. Thank you for saying your wide receiver one because – I'm very outspoken. I, I, I don't not like Devonta, but he's my wide receiver three. Um, wow. The whole weight argument, it's pretty valid because it's not like, oh, you know, he's going to put on some weight in the NFL. He goes to Alabama. All right. Strength and conditioning coach makes half a million dollars a year. He would have put on weight if he could. It would have happened already. Um, but, again, going to the Senior Bowl, not playing, but just chilling, interviewing with the Dolphins, Brian Flores, Tua's wide receiver one. From last year, I mean, I two two is debatable what the Jets do, but I think one and three at this point are locks. I don't think he should be the first wide receiver taken, but I think it's just it makes too much sense at this point. You have Waddle so over him too. Yeah, I do. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, Chase, I have Chase one, Waddle two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, and now we go to the Falcons at four. Connor, who you got there? So. Another thing, prospect rankings. I actually like Zach Wilson more than Justin Fields, which means I have Trey Lance at quarterback four. But I'm actually going to take him as the third QB here off the board with the fourth pick to the Falcons. Just It's kind of the same thing as Fields. You know, the, it's kind of a Josh Allen kind of pick. You know, not really a comp, but the potential is there. It's every single tool you can imagine Trey Lance has. They're really, really raw. Um, we saw this guy be a thousand yard rusher at the college level. Yes, it's not D1, but he still dominated. He didn't throw a pick his first season in college or his only season as a starter, excuse me. Um, Duncan and I texted each other laughing after that showcase game because he looked awful in it. But again, that's not his entire resume. He has every single tool imaginable. They can't get rid of Matt Ryan for two years because of how bad that contract is. And it, Zach Wilson sitting for two years, yeah. But I think if Trey Lance actually sits there and they groom him for a year or two, I think he'd be a star. That's a really good point about Matt Ryan's contract. He definitely needs to be groomed um, for sure. But a ton of potential. And as you said, Josh Allen, his success, I think that really shows people that someone that comes out that raw can can really make it in this league in today's NFL. Um, all right, Max has the Bengals at five. Yeah, so this Bengals pick, I was kind of scared with uh, with three and four. Because there's a clear player that I think everyone knows that they should be going after. Um, and I was kind of worried that the Dolphins, you would do it. Duncan with, with what well, you took, Devontae Smith, and the Falcons go Trey Lance. Uh, Panay Sewell, man, sprint this card in. I, if you're Cincinnati, I mean, you saw how important. First of all, this is a pick not only because you need an office tackle, but this is important because you have your franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow who got absolutely crushed to the point where he literally tore his knee apart just because of how much he was getting hit. And to me, Panay Sewell, a lot of people have been 
going back and forth with him and Rashad Slater, I don't think it's close. I think Panay Sewell is the best offensive tackle maybe in like since like Orlando Pace in 1998, man. I mean, Panay Sewell is a special, special, special prospect. Um, and if the, he falls to five, I think Cincinnati is a dream scenario for Cincinnati. I would even consider trading up for him, honestly. Yeah, I um, think – Yeah, go ahead, Connor. I think we're just at the point, especially due to the opt-out, that it's Penny Sewell fatigue. Yeah. That's why, you know, it is a really good offensive line class, but I, I think that's probably the thing in most people's minds right now. Yeah, um, obviously, like, Rashawn Slater's got a lot of buzz lately, especially with Daniel Jeremiah coming out and endorsing him as tackle one. Both these players opted out, but it's just – I also feel like Sewell was hurt uh, by the combine. Um, one of his mm-hmm. best attributes just being his insane athleticism for, you know, 6'5", 330, which he carries so well. Um, but I agree with you, Max. I'm not ready to go Slater over Sewell yet. I'm yeah. just not there. Slater is 6'3". Mm-hmm. Um, like, I get he played really well at tackle against Chase Young, but um, I'm not willing to, you know, put someone over Penny Sewell that has a somewhat good chance of ending up as guard in the league. Um, so, yeah, great pick for Joe Burrow. Um, that's exactly what they need. They have wide receiver talent there already. So, great pick going the O-line. Uh, Eagles at six. Um, looks like Wentz is on the trading block. They're going to go Hurts. Um, and I know they took a receiver in the first round last year, but this player just feels like he fits Philadelphia. He plays way bigger than six foot, 208 pounds. He's physical. He can do everything. A lot of people's wide receiver one, and that's Jamar Chase from LSU. Um, you know, I, as I said, I just feel like he fits the team. Um, and what, wherever you have him ranked, I think we can all agree that he is, you know, Devontae Smith, you know, tough physical football in the NFC East. Like Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, both great players, but Chase just feels like a Philadelphia Eagle in my mind. I like that pick. I mean, that, that's another one where it's like you, you're seeing it. And for me, Chase, I, I agree with you, Connor. I think Chase is my number one receiver right now. Uh, I do think it's close between him and Devontae Smith, but Chase is still number one. He's dominant, man, and he was so – people kind of forget because of how good Devontae Smith was this year, but he was unreal on LSU when they had Justin Jefferson and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Jamar Chase, a sophomore Jamar Chase, was the guy for that LSU offense. So I still think he's wide receiver one. If he falls to six for Philadelphia, again, another just sprint to the podium to make that pick. Definitely. So I'm up at seven now with the Detroit Lions, and – the way our mock is going, uh, my phone would not stop blowing up right now if I was the Detroit GM because Zach Wilson's sitting here on the board at seven. I don't expect that to be the pick. I think Detroit's actually just going to ride the Jared Goff train for two years. We'll see. Um, I don't remember the names off the top of my head, which says about this pick. Um, there's four receivers under contract for the Detroit Lions for next season. And, again, I, I can't remember any of their names. Um, Galladay is gone. Mm. I am fully bought in that Galladay, like, wasn't hurt the last, like, six-ish games and just milked it. Um, and then Marvin Jones, the rumors he's going to go out to L.A., possibly reunite with Stafford, which would be sick. So, there's you got T.J. Hawkinson. That's about it. DeAndre Swift is a great pass catcher out of the backfield. But this team needs a number one receiver. I don't know if Jalen Waddle can be that number one receiver. But you need a downfield threat. 
You need anybody that can make a play on offense. I really, really wanted to take Kyle Pitts here, but I didn't want to ruin Kyle Pitts' career in Detroit because they just kind of like two tight end sets with Hawkinson and Pitts. It's cool. And they like wouldn't play him at receiver and they would just completely fuck it up. So I'm going to go Jalen Waddle to pick here. All right. Now Max uh, with eight with the Carolina Panthers and Matt Rule, a team that's stock is definitely – I'm buying it right now. I think they got something good going in Carolina. Yeah, I mean, the way this draft is, is falling to me, man. I've got, you know, three picks that I absolutely love here. I mean, Carolina, biggest need is quarterback. And the fact that Zach Wilson, who I have number three overall on my board, um, is still here at eight, I, I was very happy to see that. So this is, this is a team I think that could actually trade up and, you know, maybe the Dolphins, the Dolphins will eventually trade for Deshaun Watson or anything like that to trade up to try to get one of those three quarterbacks. Uh, Bridgewater's deal, you can get out of it after next year. He's obviously not the long-term answer. So Zach Wilson falling to eight is, again, another dream, dream pick for Carolina. So I think this is uh, a great value for them here. Yeah, obviously. I mean, if that if Zach Wilson fell to the Panthers, I, I would personally love that again, as we all agree. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but, you know, Matt Rule would another, as you said, sprint the card up kind of deal uh, with them. And so, okay. so far in the – yeah, what's up? I'm just – I'm so over – I'm so happy right now. Like, we, this is something that we talk about a lot on the pod is it's player-to-team association. Yes. Okay. Like I said, very, I said very early that like, you know, like Kyle Pitts is a Jaguar just kind of sounds right. It won't happen because Mm -hmm. it's like two and 25. It's not going to happen. But like in my head, it just makes sense. This has been the dream for a year, especially now that Joe Brady did not get a head coaching job. Like this, this is it. Joe Brady's a superstar. And plus the, uh, the speedy receivers that they have in Carolina too, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be a lot of fun, man. With Zach they have Wilson's, a lot of weapons. Low they've key. got weapons. This is like yeah. this is a team that is building for the future. So I, yeah, they, if they can get a guy like Zach Wilson with that big arm, I mean, they, that offense could be must watch with Joe Brady, who I think is a future superstar head coach. I would have hired him honestly as a head coach this cycle. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, that offense is going to be must see TV every Sunday. For sure. All right. Um, number nine, the Denver Broncos. So far, we have not had a single defensive player. Oh, I didn't that. We're eight Jeez. for eight on the offensive oh. side of the ball. Um, but that trend comes to an end right now uh, with my cornerback one, Caleb Farley, for the Denver Broncos. Um, 6'2", 207, elite speed. You know, very physical guy, um, obviously opted out of the season, which, you know, I, I totally understand the opt-outs, but, you know, it, it's just such a shame that guys like Sewell, Parsons, Farley, such highly rated guys, Chase, opted out because I would have loved to see him put another season on tape just because Sertain is, you know, so refined, um, you know, and, you know, Farley's more of the, the raw physical tool set, but, you know, I'll take his ceiling over Patrick Sertain and his and his soundness uh fundamentally um you know corners you know especially with the chiefs in that division um broncos can't have enough of them um so caleb farley from virginia tech is the pick at nine up here at 10 with the dallas cowboys and jerry is feeling himself right now okay he's sitting there and he goes damn that boy kyle pitts is a good football player okay and everybody's screaming at him, so he doesn't end up making the pick. 
but like imagine if they did but i'm not gonna do it i like kyle pitts is a top 10 player in this draft class i don't care if anybody has a different opinion i won't hear it um but it's just not it's not a need um we already saw them have too many weapons this year could be argued um but there's two glaring needs on this cowboys team and it's the offensive line and it's the secondary or actually just anybody on the defense pretty much because that linebacker core is all just hurt and dead. I'm going to go with Sertain here. Um, you know, a lot of tackles still all left on the board. Rashawn Slater is still very obviously on the board. Uh, some people even have Slater as a center, which I find weird, but just being that flexible is never a bad thing. Um, but it's, it's Jerry. I don't see Jerry making a non-sexy pick. I just can't get out of my head. And I think taking the number one shutdown quarter out of Alabama just makes too much sense in his mind. Um, and it's a good O-line class. Cowboys can either trade back up into the first round, which is probably what I would do. Um, probably around like 28, 29-ish, still going to be tackles there. You can start day one. Yeah, that's, that's, I love Sertan. He's my number one corner. I actually have a top five on my board right now. I, I think he's fantastic. Um, but the Giants here at 11 – it's kind of weird. So they need a receiver, but there's not really a receiver. You guys took all of them I would take here. Um, so I'm going to go with the guy that that basically played wide receiver at Florida, and that was Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I know Evan Ingram's a pro bowler. I don't love Evan Ingram. But still, if you want to run two tight end sets, man, Kyle Pitts is the best tight end since, like, Vernon Davis, man. I mean, he he was a finalist for the Bolitnikoff Award, which is giving the nation's best receiver as a tight end. That should tell you everything you know about how good of a tight end um, he is and how good of a receiving threat he is. He's not a blocker. He's not your, your typical tight end, but that's not where the position is trending. And I think Kyle Pitts is the future of the tight end position. So here at 11 to the Giants, I think it, it makes sense. I know they need receiver, but he's basically a wide receiver playing tight end. Yeah, um, you know, that's just – I'm not sure I could think of a better way to help Daniel Jones right now. I mean, you can always go offensive line, but at the end of the day, like mm-hmm. – they say, you know, the tight end is the quarterback's best friend. You know, everyone loves that fast, deep, um, deep threat receiver. But, you know, a, a target like Kyle Pitts where you just put it anywhere near him, you know, short, intermediate, you know, down the seam, and he can go get the football. So uh, Giants get great value there at 11. Um, now at number 12, the San Francisco 49ers, another team uh, that would happily give this pick for Deshaun Watson. And I believe if they were able to do that, then, um, you know, they would be the Super Bowl favorite um, out of the NFC and for the league as a whole. But if they keep the pick and they don't get Deshaun Watson, um, I think they go corner. This is still an elite defense. They've got great linebackers, a lot of talent up front with Nick Bosa coming back. Sherman's getting old. So this is a physical guy, a guy that's proven himself in the SEC, and that's J.C. Horn. Um, has NFL bloodlines, uh, Joe Horn's son. Um, physical player, can get up on the line, bump, not afraid to come up and tackle, and had a few picks this year as well, showing it off his ball skills. So he adds to that 49er defense, hopefully getting them back to the Super Bowl. You, you couldn't have made it any easier for me um, as a Chargers fan. Uh, you know, we've we've already had the receiver run, especially with Pitts off the board. Um, it's All the old linemen are sitting there. It's probably what happened on draft day. I assumed you were going to take Slater with that pick. You actually wrote Joe Horn in the dock, which is a little TBT. 
<laughs> I, I, I shouted out his bloodline, so yeah, yeah, I earned it. But it's it's O line or bust here for the Chargers. Very obviously, I've been saying it every week. Um, I really hope Telesco doesn't get too cute. If this if this is the board, you know, Slater's on the board. Cosme, Darisaw, very obviously still on the board. If Telesco gets too cute and he's like, you know, it's not really like a blue blood. He opted out, knocks him down both for that. Then I'm going to be really pissed because I can totally just see Telesco taking Sam Cosme just because he went to Texas and plays left tackle. But the versatility with Slater is absurd. Obviously didn't play this year. Yes, I fell in love with him because he stopped Chase Young one time last year. Um, But I – it's a slam dunk pick. You can play all five positions on the offensive line, and the Chargers need a new starter on all five positions of the offensive line. So you, you get the guy. You know, you can you can still draft another tackle. That's the thing. If, if I'm the Chargers, I, if I'm taking Slater right now, you take, like, Eichenberg, maybe round two, round three with our two third-rounders, especially since Telesco only drafts Notre Dame players. Um, you bump him to guard. Just find your best five you can get, and you can get that with Rashawn Slater. Yeah, those would be two really – you know, shoe-in starters, two polished players, ready to go right away, day one in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, that would be that would be a dream scenario for, um, you know, new coach Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert, of course. Um, and now to Max with the Vikings at 14. Yeah, I mean, just real quick, I love that Slater pick, just because I, I personally have him in OT4, so below Cosme and Darisol, but I would take Slater from the Chargers with this board – just because, like you like you hit on it, Connor, like they need everything on the O-line. And as we've seen this yeah. year for a ton of O-lines, they O-linemen get injured pretty often. And you need a guy that can play, okay, Rashawn, uh, left tackle's out, play left tackle. Okay, Rashawn, left guard's out, play left guard, right tackle's out. He moves everywhere. Whereas I think Darisol and Cosby are more true tackles. Rashawn Slater's a guy who's so versatile. And that charge O-line is, first of all, they get beat up a lot, and they also, you know, need everyone on all five positions yeah. in the line. So, Rashawn Slater, I think he's a slam dunk pick, even though I have him lower than Cosme and Darisol, but I think he fits the Chargers better. So, the Vikings here, um, this is this is an interesting one. So, I think Slater would have been a great pick for them because uh, I think they also need offensive guards. But I'm going to go with an interior D lineman and a guy I am very high on. Um, top, yeah, number 10 on my board right now. Christian Barmore from Alabama, he, if you want to see how dominant he was, turn on that Notre Dame game because they have maybe the best online in the country and they couldn't block Christian Barmore all game because the pass rushing, I don't think he's a great run defender, but again, that's not where the value is because he is one of the best pass rushers in this draft, edge or D tackle. So I think he's going to fill a pretty big hole for the Vikings on the interior D line and, Get pretty good value here at 14. Yeah, um, definitely, as you mentioned, that Notre Dame game in the playoffs, also against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Dominant play in both of those big games against a ton of talent, Wyatt Davis, too, in the in the national championship game. So great pick, built by Bama. Can't really go wrong. Um, so now the Patriots at 15, and boy, this is a dream scenario. Bill Belichick is licking his chops. He's sprinting the card up to the, you know, the podium once again. They need weapons desperately. Good thing there are about, you know, eight or ten, you know, first-round caliber receivers in this draft. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you can get plenty of that in the second round. So we're not going that route. I understand trading back because we don't have a third-round pick. But, again, no trades. 
But, you know, I liken this board to when Derwin James fell to, I believe it was 17 to the Chargers. Um, just a pound-for-pound pound elite football player who should not have fallen that far. And with Micah Parsons on the board here at 15, mm -hmm. um, Bill's scooping them up in a heartbeat. Especially you see Levante David and Devin White absolutely dominate the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. You need speed at linebacker today in the NFL. The Patriots don't have it. They get – Dante Hightower back from opt-out next year, but he's more of a physical downhill guy, can even play on the edge. Um, definitely was never really known for his athleticism, but certainly not now when he's north of 30. So, I mean, Micah Parsons for me is a top five player in this draft, um, just on my big board. He has some off-the-field stuff going on right now. It's to be determined how much that affects his stock, but if he's there at 15, um, I would really want the Patriots to grab him. Yeah, he's a Bill Belichick guy too. Like that just seems like the type of linebacker yeah. <laughs> that they would they would fall in love. And like, uh, I'm a Penn State fan. Michael Parsons is him and Saquon Barkley. I think are the two best players in my lifetime. So he is dominant. I'd be shocked if he made it to 15. But this is the way the board falls right now. So I think yeah, it's a slam dunk pick for the Patriots. We're definitely about to. We kind of are a little bit, but I think it's definitely a defensive run now after that first eight picks being all offense. Um, I'm up with the Arizona Cardinals here at 16. I think this is probably where J.C. Horn goes. He went a little early to San Francisco in the draft. You know, we'll see if they end up trading up for a quarterback or they just end up taking an offensive lineman. Um, they have to bring Trent Williams back. So maybe they just push it off for another year. Um, but the Cardinals, they need a corner. Um, Pat Pete is allegedly gone, and then he disputed it, which means it's probably true. That's kind of how these things go. Um, but there's just not a corner here to take at 16. So I'm going to take an edge rusher, and I'm going to take Quiddy Pay. This might have messed up your pick with the Raiders. It, it because literally just did, yeah. <laughs> that was know, a good pick. It was too perfect. It was too perfect for the Raiders. I'm sorry. But just getting <laughs> another guy across from Chandler Jones, like we saw in the Super Bowl. You win Super Bowls with a good quarterback in a dominant four-man pass rush, and you get somebody across from Chandler Jones, it solves a lot of your defense. Um, yeah. And if you haven't watched Quiddy Pay, he's literally Melvin Ingram, which, again, I'm sorry, Max, because, you know, when you when the Raiders now have the Chargers defense, they probably would have really liked to have Melvin Ingram. But I'm going to take Quiddy Pay here, 16 of the Cardinals. That's a great pick. Uh, I mean, Quiddy Pay is a freak, freak athlete. Um, and he improves the pass rusher this year, too, which is what I wanted to see, because um, last year he kind of just ran into the tackle with his explosiveness and it worked. But now he shows some pass rush moves, too. I think he is the edge one in this draft. Um, but I'm at 6-17, excuse me, with the Raiders. And I'm lucky because I actually think edge one is a pretty big debate. I have Quiddy's at number one right now. But my number two guy, who I actually think is maybe the best pass rusher in the draft and was dominant this year in the SEC, Aziz Ojolari from Georgia. I was blown away by his tape this year. A little skinny, not as athletic as Quiddy Pay. Um, but again, he was dominating um, SEC tackles week in, week out. One of the best pass rushers in the country. So Aziz Ojolari, the Raiders still need edge defenders. You've got to take in Cleveland Farrell fourth overall. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is another great pick. I would have preferred Quiddy Pay, but I am not at all upset with Aziz Ojolari at 17. Yeah, um, Georgia guy, ton of potential. Doesn't have ideal length and size, but makes up for it with his motor and, and physicality for sure. Um, so now the Dolphins here again at 18. Um, I had them taking 
uh, Devontae Smith at three. Uh, so they address that need in their receiving core. And now I think they go in the trenches. But, you know, whether it is offensive or defensive is to be determined. I think Gregory Rousseau is a guy that Brian Flores would love to get his hands on and that staff would love to mold um, and develop into an all-pro player because that's his potential. Um, but I think they, they're really sold on giving Tua another chance. Um, I don't think they're going to give up on them after 10 games as they, as they should. Uh, that's way too reactionary. Um, so they're going to go Elijah Vera Tucker uh, from Southern California. Um, really, really clean player. Daniel Jeremiah is all over that aspect of him. Um, was elite was an elite pass protector at left guard in 2019 and was an elite pass protector at left tackle in 2020. Um, so again, shoe in starter day one. Um, and again, they're given to a, you know, in this mock Devonta Smith, now a great pass protector at 18. Um, so yeah, they're, I think they, they give him a real chance in 2021. This is something we should have prefaced before the draft. Um, you know, this isn't what I would do with this pick here with the Washington football team, but I think it's something that is very likely and could possibly happen. Um, they really need a quarterback. Okay. You know, obviously the top four guys are off the board. I, don't, I, I guess I'll be the one to do it, but the football team's taking Mac Jones. And I know it's, it's not sexy. You know, you're, you have Alex Smith on the roster and you might've just drafted Alex Smith, you know? So hopefully you can help him a little bit. You know, Mac had a, just a stupid season at Alabama. Um, shattered every single Alabama passing record possible. Obviously got very deep into the season uh, in the playoff, but you know, I just, the problem is like Mac with structure. And this is something that I heard on a podcast the other week. Um, if it was like, if you're Washington, do you take Mac Jones or like Mac Jones? And then you can't really build around him because you took him with your earliest pick or do you like wait to like the third round and take Jamie Newman, but you got like a stud offensive tackle and another receiver in the first two rounds. And, you know, I don't like Jamie Newman, but like it's up for debate, you know, max physical tools don't really exist. Throws a nice D ball. Um, the, you couldn't have been more structured than playing quarterback at Alabama and going to Washington. They have good pieces. You know, I love Antonio Gibson and McLaurin, but it probably won't work out. They'll probably do the whole flirty, you know, Alex is our starter. Wait till they go one and three and then throw Mac in like halfway through a game after half and just let it rip. Um, But again, like if, I don't like the pick. I think it'll happen. And I don't, I think if Mac Jones isn't taken here, the next two teams can both take him. I wouldn't do it, but yeah, I was considering it at 20. If you didn't pull it at 19 Connor. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't hate that pick at all. So now it gets to the point where Chicago obviously desperately needs a quarterback. Um, I don't see anyone. My next quarterback up would be Kyle Trask. Why have like an early second round grade on. So I wouldn't pull the trigger here uh, at 20. So I'm going to go to the O-line, which I think is probably the second big, biggest need, depending on whether or not Al Robinson resigns, which I highly doubt he does. Um, but, again, there's not really a receiver that's a better value here than my number two tackle, which is Samuel Cosme out of Texas. He, um, in my opinion, 
might be the best pass protector in this draft. Um, I think Panay Sewell is far more athletic and a far better run blocker, which is why Panay Sewell by far number one. But I think Cosme, in my opinion, is the best pass protector in the draft. So, listen, you still don't know who your quarterback is, but getting a, a franchise tackle, in my opinion, Sam Cosme here at 20 is a pretty decent pick for a team that needs offensive line and they need a quarterback and they need receiver. But if you can, if you can fix one of those here at 20, I think you're doing, a, doing pretty good. Yeah, um, definitely. Can never really go wrong addressing the offensive line for any team, um, as we saw in the Super Bowl. Um, now the Colts at 21, really good roster all around. Uh, they're missing that quarterback, and I think they're missing – I know they got Michael Pittman, uh, Jonathan Taylor, um, was great late in the season, but T.Y. just made some comments the other day. It sounds like he's probably leaving in free agency. They need a little more juice on this offense, and – Florida wide receiver Kadarius Tony has a lot of juice. Um, he's 5'11", 190. Not a, not a huge guy, but he was making fools of defensive backs in the SEC and at the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, not a great route tree at Florida, but just get the ball in his hands, and it, it's insane. Breaking tackles left and right. Um, acceleration, agility are, are all elite. Needs to improve his hands a little bit. He had a couple drops at the Senior Bowl week, um, but – Kadarius Tony um, provides an instant spark to any offense. You know, one thing I noticed about Michael Pittman, there might have just been because it's highlights, but he only runs drag routes, mm-hmm. but it works every time. But having those two and Jonathan Taylor on the same offense, you know, obviously like it, Phil's not throwing him the ball. So I don't know. <laughs> sure as hell, I don't think Jacob Eason's going to be throwing him the ball. But we know this is an aggressive team. Who knows who their quarterback's going to end up being next year. But I'm up at 22 now with the Tennessee Titans. And I'm really interested to see, you know, if this offense falls apart after the departure of Arthur Smith. I think it's very possible. I don't know who the replacement for him is. But being touted as a guy who revived Ryan Tannehill's career into being one of the, one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL definitely isn't something to take, you know, take lightly. But – you have to help the offense with with him leaving. And on top of that, Corey Davis is going to get the bag from somebody. That um, breakout really came out of nowhere. Um, of course, contract year, so it makes sense. But I think Davis is gone. And this is arguably my favorite wide receiver in the draft. Again, he's not my number one receiver. But I'm going to take Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota here. Just a silky, smooth player. The reason he's my favorite is because he reminds me so much of Keenan Allen. It's a guy that's always open, a dependable number one option that nobody will say is a number one because he's not big or fast. But we think Rashad Bateman's a slam dunk, especially next to the explosiveness of A.J. Brown. I think it's a perfect duo. Yeah, I like Rashad Bateman a lot. Um, yeah, that Keenan Allen, I think Allen Robinson, too, is a cop I had for him, too. Like, I like Rashad Bateman a lot, and this is about where I'd take him, too. Uh, so the Jets here at number 23. Uh, so I took Fields, so we got the quarterback position addressed. They need edge. They also need a corner, um, which I think is – the way the NFL is trending, more and more passing and more and more spread out. You need corners. You need wide receivers. They might honestly be the two most important positions to get after quarterback. The Jets at 23 – Need a corner. And I like Denzel Mims. They could use more receivers, but I only have one I want to take here. Um, So I'm going to go with my number three corner, and that's Asante Samuel Jr. He 
you know, there, there are questions about whether or not he could play on the outside or whether or not he's a slot on the corner. Either way, though, like I said, the, the league's becoming more and more spread out. I think Asante Samuel Jr. will have a good role in the league. He's a very physical player. He plays a lot like his dad, honestly. Um, and I think Asante Samuel had a really good career at Florida State and will have a decent career in the NFL, too. So getting him here at 23 is about where I would take him. And I think the Jets need a quarterback and they need a corner. And those are probably the two biggest needs. And they get both of those addressed on, on night one of the draft. So I think it's a pretty good start for the Jets. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned his size, um, you know, at 5'10", 185, but you also mentioned, as you said, his physicality, which lends itself to playing on the outside. So hopefully a good pick for the Jets and a versatile player. Uh, now, Max's uh, team here at 24, the Steelers, um, they, plain and simple, they couldn't run the ball last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Connor touched on earlier, you know, player team association in the draft. And this is a guy I have fully associated with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's been on the rise, um, you know, with these draft analysts all over Twitter. He is the 6'7", 320-pound Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, an absolute mauler in the run game, ton of strength, ton of potential. He just feels like a Steeler to me. I know Connor likes Najee Harris to the Steelers, and I could totally see him as a Steeler, but – I don't think the philosophy of taking a running back in the first round is the way to solve your running game. I think enhancing the offensive line is. So that's what mm-hmm. they hear at 24. I don't mind that. You know, I, the Najee Harris guy I get to is the need, they need running backs for sure, especially with James Conner probably leaving. Um, but again, I, I'm also the big believer of, you know, it, it, this is a running back class where I think the three are pretty interchangeable between Najee, Javante Williams, and Travis Etienne. You could have them in any order, and I won't be mad at you. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what kind of pushes them down for me into, like, that early second round range. Um, Tevin Jenkins, dominant run blocker. I have questions about him in the pass pro, which pushes him to the second round. Um, so, maybe someone like Christian Darrow. So, I would maybe prefer. But Tevin Jenkins, again, like you mentioned, Steelers love to pound the rock. Ben Roethlisberger is obviously aging and aging pretty quickly. Um so, yeah, they're, they're going to want to find the next running back, which they can in the second round, um, and getting a dominant offensive tackle, which they also need in the run game. And Tevin Jenkins is also not a bad way to start the team either. I'm up here now with the second pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars at 25. And, I, again, we, we kind of just keep giving each other layups. I'm glad that we all like our picks. It's been really good so far. <laughs> but – Seeing Tevin Jenkins come off the board, and I'm sitting here at 25, and Christian Darisol is still on the board. I think that's absurd. Again, mm-hmm. I think we've taken like eight linemen in the first 24 picks, which they will rise. It happens every year. Um, but yeah, Christian Darisol is the pick here. Obviously, they've they've spent money and picks on the offensive line. You know, Cam Robinson didn't really pan out. You take Christian Darisol, bump Cam over to the right. He's your left tackle of the of the future. You know, he played three years at Virginia Tech, improved every single year. He has all the physical traits you want in a left tackle, and I, I think it's a slam dunk pick. Yeah, Darisol, again, my number three tackle, uh, even above Slater. So I, I like Darisol. I, he was dominant this year at Virginia Tech. Um, so I'm up with the Browns here at 26. They just kind of need defense, man. They had they had an awesome year, obviously. That offense was, was cooking on all cylinders. Um, they kind of need a safety. They need a linebacker, and they need an interior D-line. So where I'm going to go here is just there's three guys that on all of those on my board that are pretty close to each other. Um, Levi Muzurike, 
Javon Holland, and Jeremiah Usakoromoa. I'm going to go – this is tough. Uh, wow, this is, this is brutal. I'm, like, I'm going to go with Levi and Wuzurike. He's the highest ranked one for me. I don't think he's as big of a need as um, safety. So Javon Holland I think would be a great pick here too. But Levi, again, he, he showed so many flashes at Washington. And I think he could be a really good pass rusher in the NFL. I'm a lot higher on him than a lot of other people are. Um, number 20 on my board right now, but I think he could be a really, really impact um, pass rusher in the NFL, especially with Miles Garrett, you know, drawing double teams on the outside. If you have Levi and Wizzerica having one-on-ones, that is a really terrifying D-line to go against. Yeah, um, definitely a guy that's been rising also with his performance in the senior bowl. Um, interior pass rusher is a very viable asset in the NFL these days. Um the Ravens at 27, you know, to me, this is all about making life as easy as possible for Lamar Jackson. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, that screams receiver here. And this is a guy that, you know, again, it's, it's senior bowl fever right now. Um, played really well there. Um, he opted out of the season um, and didn't put up big numbers at Michigan. Um in my opinion, mostly due to his quarterback play. But I think Nico Collins is a really good player. And it's kind of like with Asante Samuel Jr. Like, it may not be a guy that people, you know, are seeing in these in the round one in these mocks right now um, that's talked about as that sort of player. But every year there's a handful of guys that kind of get in there for whatever reason. And Nico Collins, 6'3", 220, great ball skills, fast enough to get down the field and threaten you deep. Um, so, I mean, give them to Lamar Jackson, and, you know, I'd love to see that combination. He's definitely the X receiver that that team needs. Um, a little early in my mind, but, again, it, it's the biggest need. You know, they've kind of just killed the draft every year. Um, they've just sat and taken the best player available, and it's worked. So I'm glad they're actually going out and taking something that they need for once. Um, up here at 28 with the Saints. And, I mean, the riches get richer, man. There's a lot of good players still left on the board. Um, I'm going to take – oh, God, it's so hard. See, I'm in the opinion that the Saints could use a receiver later in the draft because I do think that relationship with Michael Thomas is probably tarnished. Um, so we may see him leave after this year. Emmanuel Sanders is probably a cap hit and or a, a cap – Penalty, excuse me, where they're going to have to cut him most likely. Um, but I think they like the young guys they have there. Again, not another corner here. Uh, I'm going to go linebacker. You know, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, in my mind, is more of a box safety than mm -hmm. a true linebacker. Um, I think they the versatility is nice, but with their safety play, they don't really need that. I think they're going to end up going Zayvon Collins here. You know, just a great physical downhill linebacker that if he's going to sit there and play next to Demario Davis and learn from him for the next two or three years that he's on that roster, I think he can turn in one of the better middle linebackers in the league. And, you know, he can rush the passer. He's good in coverage. He can do it all just like Demario Davis. So I think it's a perfect fit to play next to him. Yeah, I, I really like Zayvon Collins. He reminds me a lot of – 
of Dante Hightower a little bit, probably just like a little more athletic Dante Hightower um, in terms of his ability to drop in coverage, like a big body, a guy that, you know, I know I've seen Matt Miller on Twitter has him exclusively as an edge, but I think he can play off the ball in the box a little bit, mm-hmm. but also again, be a presence on the edge if you need him and big, but like 260 plus pounds can mm-hmm. really get up and stuff the run. Um, so yeah, great pick. Saints have always been a team to kind of go best player on the board back here in the late first round. So I think that's right in line with, with how they would approach this. Yeah, back-to-back Collins going right now. Um, so Green Bay here at 29. <sighs> this is tough. So I, in my opinion, I think linebacker might be the biggest need. And I love Jeremiah Usakoromoa. And, you know, like that is like, okay, biggest need is linebacker. Jeremiah Usakoromoa, about where I take him, best coverage linebacker in the class. I agree with you, Connor. I think he's, he is probably that box safety Jamal Adams type role. However, you have Aaron Rodgers, and you have to make Aaron Rodgers happy. And you did not make him happy in that NFC Championship game. You need to get him another receiver. The fact that you drafted Jordan Love, the fact that you didn't give him the opportunity on fourth and goal, he's probably a little pissed right now, and I would be too. And at this point, you know, you don't want a player, the MVP of the league, to say, get me the hell out of here, trade me. So I'm going to give him a wide receiver. And – um. Duncan, you took Nico Collins, who you're obviously very high on. I'm not that high on him. I'm going to take a guy that I'm very high on that I think nobody is very high on um, as me. That's Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State. I actually have him my number four receiver right now and a top 20 player. Everyone else has him in the second round. And I understand the concerns, but I think that Oklahoma State offense kind of limited him. He's, a re- he's explosive. He's only six feet tall, but he plays – I literally, when I heard he was six feet tall, I was – my eyes were bugging out my head because I thought he was six foot four the way he plays. Um, but I think he's, he's a secret superstar on this draft. So here at 29 is a, for me, is a pretty good value. I know a lot of people think it's a big reach, but I think Tylen Wallace is, you know, the best, the secret that, you know, the best kept secret in this 2021 draft. So he's my guy. Nico Collins is your guy. Um, so yeah, I think there's a few of those type players in this draft. Yeah. And, and again, just like Nico Collins, you get to this point in the first round and, you know, at this point, like, this tier of players, like, they're kind of all the same. Like, guys that could go in the second, guys that could go in late first. Um, so, yeah, teams will just, you know, take take their guy, as you said. Um, now the Bills at, at 30. Um, I think that AFC Championship game shows they desperately need a pass rush. They weren't really able to make Mahomes uncomfortable, and the Buccaneers were, and that's why they're able to beat the Chiefs. Um and they're at the point now they got a really good roster, a good young quarterback. Um, they've kept, um, you know, they've, you know, Brian Dable is able to develop Josh Allen about as well as you could hope for. Uh, so you got to take the best player on the board right now. And to me, that's that's Gregory Rousseau, uh, the defensive lineman out of Miami, 6'7", 250, uh, frame to put on more weight, can rush from the inside or the outside. Super raw and opted out, which is not a good combination at all. But I think if you're the Bills and you're able to develop Randy Gregory um, and have that presence on the line, pair that with Josh Allen offensively, and I think you got a real shot to compete with Kansas City in the postseason. Speaking of Kansas City, I'm up here with them, 31 overall. Obviously, losers at the Super Bowl. Sorry, not sorry. And, I mean, we all saw it. This team needs an offensive lineman. Um, interesting group on the boards, kind of, again, those tweeners, the late first, the early mid second guys, 
Mayfield, Eichenberg. Yeah, some people might like Raidens, but I'm going to go Alex Leatherwood here. Um, kind of the forgotten man in this offensive line class. You know, obviously, when you look at things uh, before the college football season starts, you know, some wild takes. I remember Marvin Wilson being a top 10 player in the class, but, you know, Leatherwood, former five-star, he can play any position on the offensive line. Obviously, it's something I like. It's obviously something teams like. You need that positional versatility across the offensive line, um, especially with Mitchell Schwartz still there, and he is rapidly declining, but I think if you – the ideal thing is to put Leatherwood across from him at right tackle. It doesn't work. You kick him to guard and you can start a guard for 15 years and it'll work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he's in that same vein um, as guys like Rashawn Slater and Elijah Vera Tucker, where it's like they can be a quality tackle, but also if you want them to be a guard, they honestly might be an elite guard. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a lot lower on Leatherwood. I thought he had not a great year this year. Um, he obviously won the outlet trophy. So a lot of people disagree with me, but here at 31 of the Chiefs, man, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is probably pretty happy with that pick. You know, a lot of people say, oh, go defense, go defense. They've been going offense almost for the past few drafts, and look where they've just gotten them. So they're doing pretty well right now. So, yeah, if you want to attack the old line, I think it's very um, smart and astute to do that. So I'm up here with the Super Bowl champs, the Buccaneers. This is tough. Um, so I'm, I'm going to try to attack the defense, I think. And the player I'm going to go with, it will probably make you go, why the hell are you doing that? But Levante David is a free agent this offseason. And I think that there's a chance that he is not returning to Tampa Bay. We'll see. But I think there are a lot of suitors out there that will want to pay him a lot of money. Um, Jeremiah Usakoromoa is my number two linebacker in this draft. Again, like I said before, the, the coverage is fantastic. Honestly, coverage like a safety that um, he's not a true Mike linebacker. He's not that guy that it's not a Micah Parsons. Um, he actually placed most of his uh, snaps in slot coverage or as a free safety more than he does in the box or on the D line. So he's not what you anticipate a linebacker being. He's kind of like a smaller Isaiah Simmons in that same mind where it's like, if you're wanting to play linebacker, you're not using him right. Play him. He's a defensive weapon, honestly. So listen, linebacker obviously sounds like, the, probably the position outside of receiver that the Bucks are strongest at with Devin White and Levante David. But I do think there's a decent chance Levante David leaves in free agency. So if that happens, then JOK would my pick here. Yeah. Um, and again, when you get this point in the draft, like I don't think any of us expected Usa um, Kormo to be, to be there at 32. So going with a player with that much talent and upside, when you've already got a great roster, never, you know, you can't really go wrong going that way. Um, all right. So that wraps up our mock draft 3.0. Um, some, some surprising picks, a lot of slam dunk picks, I think um, in there, Zach Wilson falling to eight is probably the most noteworthy thing. Uh, in my opinion, but um, again, I think it was good. Once again, that was not predetermined at all. Um, so just reacting to each other's picks as we go. Um, but yeah, that's all we got for you guys on episode 29, um, Mock Draft 3.0. We'll be back soon with more draft content. Uh, once again, thank you to Max for joining us and definitely go check out his podcast, Boomer Bust, um, where you know they do an incredible job there. Thanks, man. I appreciate you guys having me. I had a lot of fun. You guys are a lot nicer than uh, than my co-hosts, you know. So anytime you want to have me back on, trust me, it's nice. It's nice talking to you guys, not getting screamed at. So yeah, this is nice. Yeah, no, there, there we go. So um, yeah. So again, um, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Everyday Scout. Um, but until next time, guys, thank you for listening.